0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Ambition podcast. I'm David woods Hill, Director of Marketing and Communications at Amber, And today I'm delighted to be joined by Clive Highland, author of a new book called The Quantum Way. Today, we're going to talk through some of the concepts of his book in a little bit more detail. And these are going to range from ideas, including happiness, quantum physics, neuroscience, employee engagement and trust <laughs> and beyond. So without further ado, Let's get started. Well, hi, Clive. Thanks so much for joining me today for the podcast. Um, Just before we get into the, the interview, I thought it might be interesting if you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career to date. Basically,
1: I spent about 30 years in corporate businesses and I started off in HR For about 10 years, uh, switched on to the business management side and ended up running various corporate organizations. So then 16 years ago, I came out of that, uh, went into coaching and through coaching, discovered
0: neuroscience and as we will cover later, uh, some quantum physics stuff as well. Fantastic. So we're here today to talk about your new book, The Quantum Way. Can you tell me a little yeah. bit about the book? What, what sort of inspired you to write it and what was your, I suppose, your process as an author for, for taking your ideas to, to the printed word?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm um, very conscious of the fact that I've been pushing the boundaries over the last 10 years plus, you know, with neuroscience and then more recently with quantum physics. <laughs> And I think what happens over a period of time, you just build up enough knowledge to be, to think, okay, I can download this. You know, I've got enough material to create a book. And and that's useful because it gives you a, a more credible foundation for the dialogue that you then have with your target audience. You know, you can get away with things conversationally and move on quickly if you've stumbled, but it's very difficult to get away with what you write in a book uh, because people can refer back to it. So I guess I felt the need for the discipline and absolutely the need to create that reach because I think this is really important stuff you know whether you like my writing style or not it's all part of the process now of opening up our thinking which is what I believe we all need to do
0: okay great and with that in mind I mean it's a it's a huge topic Yeah. who would you see as being your target reader who would you like to read your book I think anyone that's interested in leadership as a
1: starting point and anyone with experience of organizations, you know, as a pretty broad audience, um, leaders because they have the opportunity to influence and the opportunity to create more productive environments going forward. Uh, but I think it's also very re- relevant on an individual level as well, because it is literally examine again the way that we see ourselves, you know, with science backing. See, see, for me, it's like, I don't think me offering an opinion is enough. I have to be able to back it up with something, and that's what I've tried to do.
0: Absolutely, completely understand. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a very simple question now, which I imagine might require a slightly more complex answer. (laughs) (laughs) What is the quantum way?
1: So quantum way is basically a natural way of life informed by recent science. So you could use the word organic, if you like, in some ways, but I think it's more expensive than that. And particularly when we're talking about organisations, it's really saying, look, our traditional view of organisations and the way that they work is now outdated. It doesn't serve the right purpose and it certainly doesn't get the best out of people. So what this is about is saying, actually... We need to start again with organisations. And if we use this science, it'll help to inform us, you know, with our experience that we've already collected of the type of organisations we need to create in the future.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. And then I suppose just taking a bit of a step forward, Mm -hmm. um, you're obviously, you mentioned you were interested in neuroscience and quantum physics. Now I love the fact that there could be a connection between those facets and organisational engagement. And happiness. <laughs> How do you connect all the dots? Because I mean, you've got sort of very. So, so if you take neuroscience, quantum physics, organizational engagement, happiness—they're four seemingly separate entities. How do you bring all those together into into something, I suppose, relevant for the workplace? And that is the quantum way, but I'll
1: try and make that clearer. Um, Perhaps it's best explained a little bit in terms of a little bit more depth on my story, because the reason, um, you know, after I went into coaching, this was back in 2005, I was looking and inspired by uh, something different that we now call neuroscience. And I was with a business that was researching stress and performance. And it, it opened up a whole new world to me. You know, like most people, I was mainly informed by psychology and sociology. And this opened up something totally different. Um, and I felt the need then to start taking that forward. Because basically, you know, our psychologically informed views uh, were largely created in the last century when we didn't have access to live brains, you know, technological access. We had to wait until people died, you know, to to understand the anatomy of the brain. But since we've had uh, MRI and other uh, imaging technologies, uh, which came around really in the 90s, we're now in a position where we can watch the brain in action. And that enables us to build up a much more reliable understanding of what's going on in the brain. So that world opened up to me. And for most of you know, 10 years or so, I guess, you know, that study itself was invigorated enough for me. But then latterly, I also started to understand, you know, neuroscience really helps to explain what's going on inside of us. Where the quantum principles comes in is understanding what's going on between us, you know, because an essential insight is the world of energy you know so as a neuroscientist i would I, I, well i'm not directly a neuroscientist so paraphrase that as a neuroscientific study that i do you know i would absolutely argue that we are energetic beings first and foremost then that takes you into the place of okay i need to understand energy and for my own understanding i then took on a grapple with quantum physics to be able to understand the latest views of energy and that again was hugely exciting for me so basically what it means is that quantum physics is a very scary topic. It scared me, you know, the depth of maths background that's required for some aspects of it. But this this is more the conceptual thinking, you know, the principles around the way that the universe works. And that was fascinating and highly relevant. And we'll probably cover some of those principles as we go through.
0: Yeah, 100%. Personally, I'm fascinated by the science behind happiness and you know i have talked about this a lot on this podcast we've we've written about it in ambition and previous rules that i've been in it's it's something i feel very strongly about you know that sort of i suppose equilibrium between happiness and productivity how they collect together and how that sort of fits in with the overall engagement strategy at the end of the day they want their people to be productive do you think that ultimately they care if their staff are happy do you think that's something that is you know do they want happy staff or do they want staff that come in and do the job well and I suppose how, again, connecting the dots, how do these fit together in the eyes of the employer?
1: Yeah, I think if you take the current view, I think it's a complete mixture. Um, I think most leaders care to some degree um, but there are those that don't, you know, and probably, especially the more removed you are you know, maybe as a, you know, an external shareholder or something like that, then the less engaged you are with people, the less important, I think, the, the people issues become. But, Absolutely, they need to be very concerned about this because the old model is basically dead on its feet. You know, you talk to any um, business leader in the corporate world, and they are very concerned about the diminishing pool of talent that they're all chasing to keep their businesses moving forward. Because that talent is basically saying, I don't want to work for a controlling hierarchy anymore. There are other options out there, and I'm prepared to go with those and see what happens. The fundamental problem to me is very much that we've put people in boxes far too long, organisational boxes, hierarchies, and leaders have had to rely on organisational authority, you know, being the boss to make calls. We should throw all of that out of the window. You know, I know we can't do that overnight, but the science shows that happy people are more balanced people and we are built to perform. You know, we, we perform because we like validation, you know, we like to feel that we're successful. We like to have feedback that we're successful. It's part of our thrive instinct. You know, it's there, there is no worry here about you take away the rules and people will stop performing. You know, that's not the case. But the old model is very much based on distrust. Yeah. It's influenced by, you know, classical physics, by Taylorism. It's managing people as factory units and then stick them in boxes and control them. Yeah. Right? And this is, uh, hold on, there's a huge price, hidden price, involved in putting people in boxes and what we have to do is take them away and you know for a bigger organization that's obviously a big transitional task but they're going to have to do it very very quickly and some are to be fair i think there are more enlightened people who have started to get this and that's very encouraging
0: i mean i'm i'm completely with you i completely see where you're coming from And I I think that this sort of concept would be really easy to put into place in an SME or a more agile business. But what would your message be to, I suppose, uh, a middle manager in a large corporate that is very institutionalized and has very much had a a long-standing tradition of this more command and control um, way of leading and managing? I understand that. And there's
1: often that standard feedback, which is, well, it's not us. uh, It's the people above us. 100%. But it's very much about trying to create the environment where these. Discussions can take place and arming yourself with the type of stuff that, you know, I arm myself with to, to create the case. You know, because this isn't a wish list. You know, this is about getting people to open up their thinking and stand back and say, there has to be a better way than this. It's not as if we can look out to organizations and say, aren't they great? You know, these work really well. There's no stress or, you know, we, we don't have to worry about resilience. Everything's working so smoothly. It's the exact opposite. These, you know, people who run businesses are supposed to like evidence. The evidence is all around them but it's emotional evidence and intuitive evidence, but they ignore it. But I think that's because most of them don't know what to do about it. Yeah. But now we have an opportunity, the science is saying, come on, you know, have the guts to look at this stuff and work out what you can do with it. And managers, I think, even if they're not in the top positions, have To be part of that groundswell to influence, you know, and ultimately, to be honest, I would say if you can't make any ground on this, why do you want to work on an organization in an organization <laughs> yeah. that relies just on hierarchy? You know, get yeah. out, prove
0: the case. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay. Moving on a little bit. So we've talked a little bit about the, the neuroscience and I suppose the psychology of happiness. But I think some people might think, well, surely happiness is a more philosophical pursuit. It's about your worldview. It's about how you think and how you feel. How do you um, achieve the balance between the, the philosophy and the psychology in terms of happiness? Well, I think in terms of the personal choice,
1: you know, it's, it's whatever you want it to be. You know, for some people, it's a psychological, for others, they'll take it into a philosophical space. But that's not my concern directly. I focus on neuroscience. So you said, you know, the neuroscience and then you almost at the same time talked about psychology. There's a clear distinction between the two. And we need them both, don't get me wrong. So Mm -hmm. psychology is based on the theory of mind and is very useful in interpreting behavior. But, you know, more and more, we need the neuroscience to look in the brain. So we've got more reliable correlations between what's going on in the brain and how we express ourselves. So to me, it's almost like, Let's really get to the hard science on this. You know, less theoretical. There's always some theory and there's going to always be some intuitive element, but something where we can build a reliable understanding base to create a better view of our potential. You see, and see, you know, the classic area for me is something like performance. You know, so we, we're talking loosely about happiness and productivity. You know, people do not perform well who feel threatened. You know, it evokes the, the survival instinct in us. Mm-hmm. and the survival instinct itself actually limits the brain's capacity to perform it's just like you know if you were just about to have a car crash you know in those seconds your brain closes down to many of its much of its processing and just focusing on what it has to do to survive and when you have people in an extended state of stress to, to a degree, the same thing happens. We're in an emotional and mental state of withdrawal. And that means we don't really want to engage. And we're certainly not going to take any risks because we feel under threat. Yeah. Now, we've all become good at the game of compliance, you know, looking like we're engaged. Right? But most people are holding a lot back because they cannot take the risk. It is too dangerous. And that is costing us so much. And again, you know, we can back this up. Obviously, everything I say is a mixture of my business experience and my science. We can very clearly back up the claims around performance and happiness in very specific scientific terms.
0: Mm-hmm. Just building on that a little bit, and I do love the connection here between business experience and science. Um, mm-hmm. We talk a lot about, especially in MBA programs, about the, I suppose, the, the connection between theory and practice. And I think it's really interesting that, that there is a sort of scientific evidence-based approach here to organisational theory. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about why you think it's important that managers understand the impact that, that, that quantum physics, for example, could have in their work and lives. And do you think that that's something that business schools should be considering when, when putting together leadership and management courses?
1: 100% yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll come back to reinforce, the reason I got into the quantum principles was it's understanding what's going on between us. And what that means is the connection between us. The problem with traditional approaches and the historic influences is we've created very individualistic environments where it's all about the, the individual and his or her ability to survive. You know, it's, it's a dog dog type of environment and you're on your own. And actually, what an understanding of energy actually shows the opposite. It says everything, what's most important is the connection. We like to think of ourselves as individuals, but actually we are shaped from the moment we are born by those around us. And that continues through our lives. So none of us is identified in isolation from other people. We are, in fact, created by them. Obviously, there are genetic factors involved as well. And therefore, a simple translation of quantum principles is saying, in, a, in this organization of the future, it is all about the connection between people, which means teams, communities, cultures, all that stuff, which bring the best out of people and won't actually enable them and motivate them to give their best because that's what we want to do. You know, we've become so polarized. People, so many people are in business, they, they give what they have to give in business and then they go home and enjoy themselves. Why is that the case? You know, the process of work is a natural creative process that we should all enjoy. And again, the, 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 the hidden penalties of not having constructed organizations that way are huge. And it's time to say, Stop. There are better ways of doing this, and we have to stop hiding behind organizational hierarchy. You know, we need leaders in the future that are able to mentor and to inspire and to coach and facilitate because they understand what it takes to get the best out of people. And not only the individuals in front of you, but the connection between people, which is where the physics comes in and says, you know, understanding that resonance whether it's on a you know intuitive level or scientific level, it is vital. And we should be able to relate to that. You know, we know we're when we're buzzing, we buzz with other people and yeah. we just want to give more. Yeah. So it's it's what it's really and see, that's the classic response is that when I talk about this stuff, people very rarely say that doesn't make sense. <laughs> what actually they do, they say, wow, so that's how it works. And it's like it gives them a little bit of confidence to say, Well, I've always known that in my gut but now you're giving me extra ammunition and and yeah i'm not knocking you know all the leaders you know i was one of them and it's in many ways it was all we knew and things we put our faith in so often let us down you know the next yes. you know, framework the next model that you know was exciting yeah. for 12 to 8 months and then was dead because nobody really believed in it so issues like belief you know and understanding how you engage the instinctive brain, which is potentially the most powerful part of the brain, are fundamental to how we go forward and stop the preoccupation with rational stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, we've become so orientated towards rational processing, hence rules and methods, (laughs) procedures, boxes, that, you know, there are, I would argue, at least three other talents, reflective talents, emotional talents, and instinctive talents that have largely fell by the wayside. And each of those can be connected to certain systems in the brain. So it's not me sort of sitting there, I think, theorizing about this. It's saying, okay, like when I see this type of behavior, I can recognize it as instinctive and I know which part of the brain that is taking place in. So it's an opportunity for sort of to say, okay, let's look again because science now is often as some incredibly important and stimulating insights into, you know, the way that we really work. And let's stop hanging on to the old stories that we've done to death and no, long, no longer now work for us.
0: Absolutely. That was a fantastic answer. Thank you so much.
1: Well, you can yeah. see what happens. I get, it's the wealthier <laughs> me, David. It's like <laughs> i become a bloody creature, you know. It's, like, I can't <laughs> help it, it's so important. I'm not asking people to agree with me, but I'm saying is explore this, please, because it's
0: so important to all of us. No, I, I completely, completely understand where you're coming from. <laughs> okay, cool. And then in terms of the, the series of books with, that you, your book is part of. Um, I think about two or three months ago, um, I had the pleasure of speaking to Matt Phelan on this podcast, oh, yeah. who yeah. has written another book called Freedom to has. be Happy, The Business Case for Happiness. How do you feel that your book connects to his thinking and I suppose takes the conversation forward to the next level?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Matt was very instrumental in me writing this book because, you know, I've written a couple of before and it's it's our book, you know. Um, and I needed somebody to nudge me and sort of say, come on, you know, this would be a good thing to do. So so the connection between us was that, you know, I advised the happiness index, which is Matt business in terms of neuroscience um, and they are fantastic the way that they've completely um, you know put their arms around it and ran with it so what matt basically did was research, he covered in his book if you like the research base around happiness and productivity you know he calls it the business case and that's absolutely right so he was pulling together the compelling case for saying happiness and productivity are absolutely related and we can look at that through a lot of research and what i've come coming. Uh, come in with then is saying, okay, so what I'm going to do is cover the science that underpins that. Now, let me remind you again, I am not a scientist. You know, I am a business practitioner who sort of fell in love with this stuff because it explains so much to me. So I am self-taught, which means it's not inaccessible to other people, but it's far too important to be left to the specialists. You know, no doubt any quantum physicist, any neuroscience would look at some of my stuff and sort of say, well, you didn't quite get that right. Frankly, you know, as long as I'm given my best, it's the conversations we promote around it. And I don't put anything out there that I haven't thoroughly researched myself. So, uh, you know, critical discussions need to happen, I think, with everyone. And so Matt did the research, and I backed it up with the science.
0: And earlier on in the conversation, we touched very briefly upon something else that that we at Amber feel very strongly about, and that's trust. And you mentioned that yeah, to me. And I think you've you've spoken in some other podcasts and interviews about the challenges for organizations trying to achieve trust from their employees and and yeah. perhaps failing. Arguably, trust has never been more important. And I think, you know, we're in a cultural shift in the workplace or lack of workplace as so many people are working from home at the moment. How can yeah, yeah. Orga- how can organizations, I suppose, work within these these strange times and these strange concepts with which we're dealing to be able to to gain the trust of their staff why are they failing and what should they be doing differently
1: if i take my view of the why they have failed and we know that's a generalization there are pockets of course yes but that's to do with the relationships you have with people and basically again i think it's an accumulation of the factors that we talk about you know this this tendency to rely on organizational authority, that does nothing, you know, and it really does run very deep in people when they can see the boss, you know, is using that rather than using his his skills to connect with people if you have those skills. So we've been reliant on this boxing type mentality, i.e. boxing people in for some time. And that, you know, we've demonstrated a lack of true understanding of what it takes to get the best out of people. So in that environment, people feel, you know, well, my best enjoyment is going to take place out of work rather than in work. So it's it's become the norm. Now, when something like COVID comes along and just changes the rules, you know, it's yes, it's scary and it's been a difficult experience for a lot of people. But rarely do we get the opportunity where all the rules sort of change at once. You know, if it wasn't for COVID, it could have taken for another 5, 10 years to actually amass sufficient momentum to really challenge the way we do things. But now we have an opportunity to say, okay, come on, we've got the opportunity to step back. And most of us will look back into organizations and say, I didn't feel trusted there. I still don't feel trusted there. And I need to feel trusted to be of my best. So now it really is about saying, look, before you charge off and try and recreate an old model that wasn't working, what a fantastic opportunity to say, let's create something that is future oriented, you know, but all our understanding about what it takes to get the best out of people, involve your people in the process. You know, if that's that's the greatest first step, isn't it, in trust, is to say, I really want to listen to what you've got to say. And <laughs> then there's some sort of template. And, and when I, you know, in, in in the book. Um, I talk about, you know, what the happiness index have called the Q9 principles, you know, so that's my attempt to take these quantum principles into something very tangible in terms of culture and structure and, and, and alignment. Um, but so the first of those is absolutely trust, because without trust, you've got nothing. People are holding back. Sorry, yeah, you've got something, but you've got control. Control of what you can see, but no control of what you can't see. And, you know, individuals are driven subconsciously. 95% of our behavior is driven by our subconscious program. You know, we can't even see those ourselves. So there's no chance of the employer seeing them. And that's the world that we hold back when we don't feel trusted and we don't feel valued. So it really is about saying, come on, let's stop the older thinking. Let's get back together and realize, you know, with the help of science, there's a better way to do things. And there's no better time to start that process than now.
0: And then just to finish, I suppose we've, we've talked a lot or a little bit about sparking conversation and, and, you know, really taking these ideas further. What's the next step for you? And I suppose, do you think there's another book in you or how do you plan to turn the conversation, take it further, create a movement?
1: Do so I think there's another book of me at the moment? I think, that, that was a hard book, the last one. So I mean, you never say never. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, and I think that's the general answer, to be honest. You know, I talk about, see. see actually, this is really relevant for MBAs. Certainly when, um, you know, I was involved with people who worked in my teams or MBAs, et cetera, there was a lot of people going into things like business planning, you know, and there's clearly a role for business planning. But one of the principles in in quantum insights is about don't overdo the planning because actually we learn much better as individuals by just getting out and doing things. Now, I'm not saying you don't have broad plans in place, but if I think back to the times that I've been involved in board level business cases, which were sweating over the five year you know, projection and all we can be clear about is whatever we plan, it'll never be like it when we get that. So part of my argument is sort of so the universe itself unfolds. And we don't have the time you know, to explain that today, but it's all about energetic connections and the connections that we make as we unfold. And that is a great example to me of saying, look, people need to unfold. They don't need to be part of a prescriptive process, which tells them how they expected to behave. You know, and if you trust build people and build the right environments, they become self-organizing, which is another of the principles. So I guess, you know, without going too far into it, I guess for me, you now it's about I've put something out there and I'm going to enjoy the debate that comes with this and see what happens because, you know, I don't have time to sort of um, try to convince people that are just not prepared to listen. Okay. But where I feel a connection with people and that is growing then we can have a really great debate. And those people can bring to the table, feel like the practical challenges of putting some of these insights into practice, which I totally respect. But then it becomes a co-creation process whereby I'm saying, look, these are the principles. Don't lose sight of these principles. And they are saying, this is how we have to make this work in our organisation. Sounds a bit long-winded, but hopefully that's an answer.
0: (laughs) Not at all. That was a great answer. I do think that's all we've got time for, but Clive, I just want to say thank you so much for taking oh, the time to talk to us today. You're I, very welcome. I genuinely think that, that there are going to be a lot more conversations coming coming out of the of this line of thinking. I think it's Brilliant. fascinating stuff and I think it's yeah. so relevant for the time right now. So I would thoroughly recommend everyone go away, find the quantum way and and take a read and continue the conversation so hopefully this will help spark some ideas in some of our listeners thank you once
1: again okay thank you David great enjoyed the conversation and uh, what I would say is bring it on
0: Well, thank you once again, Clive, for taking the time to speak to me today. As I mentioned, um, his book, The Quantum Way, is available on Amazon. And also, if you're interested in any of the ideas around trust or engagement or happiness, there's a wealth of articles on our website uh, where you can find out more. And the address is www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition.